At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote what does every grocery store aisle now have in common Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Morning and happy Friday. It is a numbers game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gill this week. And a very fun, good show on tap. We're going a little exotic today. We got a lot of different stuff to cover over the span of the next two hours. Coming up in about five minutes from now, Drew Dinsick back on the program. We will talk NBA, but French Open, of course, is upon us. The draw, a historic one and an interesting one at that. So Drew's going to break that all down, give us some plays as we approach what is going to happen over on the clay. Jeff Culeandro is going to be with us 20 minutes from now, 20 five minutes from now. Coca-Cola 600. Get some great insight and analysis there. Champions League final coming up this weekend, so Paul Cora, of course, will be with us to break down what Chelsea and Man City will have in store on Saturday. Mark Borcher to talk a little hardball in the Major League Baseball, and Vinny Maiulu to wrap it up, as he usually is on a Friday. Last 30 minutes, get the bookmaker's perspective on not only everything coming up this weekend, but what we've seen over the last week, postseason, both NHL NBA and a weekend of Major League Baseball. But let us start with a little bit about last night because we had some really good games yesterday. Well, the morning one or the early one wasn't that great. We'll get to that in a little bit. But the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers is where I wanted to begin because the Denver Nuggets, an underdog in this series after game two, you know, you split the home court, you're going back to Portland, you're an underdog by about four points. Pretty tough spot for the Denver Nuggets given the shorthanded nature of their backcourt. Steal one, essentially steal one from the Portland Trail Blazers last night. 120 to 115, the final here. The Blazers, who closes a three and a half point favorite. You saw the market come off of that four as you approached game time. Game goes over the total as well. But when you talk about stealing one here, again, by the way, 
from an offensive standpoint for the Denver Nuggets, being able to churn out an offensive rating of over 120 it was an absolutely fascinating performance from Denver. But there's two facets that really stick out about this game as you move forward. One of them, sustainable, again, using that S word that we've kind of been preaching throughout this entire week and throughout the postseason. The other, not so much. The one that really is not going to keep up, at least at the clip at which it was happening yesterday, the Denver Nuggets were 20 of 37 from beyond the arc against the Portland Trailblazers last night, 54.1%. When Austin Rivers is shooting you into this game and into this victory, you know that that's probably a performance that is not going to keep itself going, but Rivers was great down the stretch of the fourth quarter. He and Carmelo Anthony, I know we all tuned in to see the Melo and Austin Rivers duel that ended up playing out last night, but it was absolutely fantastic what the Denver Nuggets were able to do from beyond the arc, right? And they did it on top of not really performing very well within the restricted area. It was actually a really poor game for Denver within four feet of the basket, right? Only 48.1% on 27 attempts within four feet of the basket. Only one shooting foul drawn within four feet of the basket. So that strength that you figure would be pretty consistent throughout the series, at least for one game, was pretty down. But they balanced that out with a very good performance from beyond the arc. And look, while the shooting percentage in terms of, you know, from beyond the arc, not very sustainable, right? 54% over the course of a series could potentially play out. We're seeing the Nuggets do it, or excuse me, the Mavericks do it over two games. That's probably going to correct itself as you get to game four, again, over at Portland. You'd expect the rim frequency and, of course, the shooting at the rim to kind of balance back out. So the unsustainable factor, right, is that, right? The fact that the shooting is not going to keep up throughout this entire season. And by the way, Jokic again, and this kind of ties into the second factor of this, right? So the three-point shooting and unsustainable, not really going to go forward. You're going to see a 54% mark. But what might be sustainable And what has played itself out over the last three games, Nikola Jokic has been absolutely fantastic. Last night, again, 36 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 12 of 24 from the floor, 8 of 8 from the free throw line. You see it from ESPN Stats and Info that Jokic is the first player to record 30 points and 50% shooting in each of his first three games of a postseason since Michael Jordan in 1992. But you know what plays into that a little bit is the fact that they don't, the Portland Trailblazers, have an answer for the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic in the minutes in which Yusuf Nurkic is not on the floor. Some of the numbers that really stuck out in that matchup yesterday, 53-26. to 26, Blazers ranked 29th defensively in terms of efficiency. That was the scoring margin when Yusuf Nurkic left the floor. 52 Denver points on 36 offensive possessions without Yusuf Nurkic on the floor. An offensive rating of 144. The Enos Cantor minutes have not been good for the Portland Trailblazers. At one point, you saw Rondé Hollis-Jefferson come out there with a little bit of a smaller ball lineup because the Trailblazers were just searching for answers defensively whenever they didn't have Nurkic and after he fouled out. And that is something that going forward is probably going to play out a little bit similarly, right? Nurkic has been great, but you have to, you would think you'd play a little bit more minutes in terms of Nurkic on the floor going forward. But the fact that the Portland Trailblazers through these three games, despite having the offensive rating that they do, but defensively one of the worst teams in the NBA postseason at this point, because when they don't have use of Nurkic on the floor, their defense just falls completely off of a cliff. So unless you're going to get 48 minutes a night, from use of Nurkic, that is going to be something that the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to exploit going forward. So it sets up a fascinating game four. Three and a half is the number right now for the Portland Trailblazers as they try to even that series up. It is a numbers game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, all the spots where you can take in the show. And we're about to chat a little bit more about the NBA in a couple of minutes with Drew Dinsick, who is with us now. But uh, first off, Drew, uh, let's talk about this French Open because as we saw this draw, and you can put this in perspective better than I can, but reading up on what happened in this draw, this is a pretty historic day, right, in terms of the way that this bracket sets up. It sure is, man, and I gotta tell you, the uh, the 
French Open uh, luck gods were not on the side of Rafa Nadal yeah. for the first time in as many years as I can remember. Usually the draw works out in his favor where he has a pretty favorable path because I think from a fan standpoint, from a you know an interest of the game standpoint, everyone wants to see Nadal in week two. Um, however, this is, you know, not number one, uh, this is kind of the weakest Nadal we've seen coming into the French Open in terms of current form going back about five years. Uh, and then uh, to boot, uh, the field itself has crept up on him uh, in terms of quality of play. And so those two things mix and you look at this price and it's in the minus 125 range to win the tournament. It didn't really make sense to me from Jump Street. And then now... You look at his path, and he's going to have to defeat meaningful competition at pretty much every step of the way. Uh, and I have serious questions about whether he's going to make it to the final, uh, considering this path that he's been given. Um, I think if you are a true Nadal stan and you are going to go to the grave betting him to win the French Open every year he participates in this event, I'm you're, you're a lifetime up. So, so I don't really think... It's not like a, an especially... Uh, dangerous position to take. But I will tell you that this year, you're going to be much better off doing a money line rollover than you would taking his futures price because if Nadal wins it, he's going to have to do it all himself. Like He's going to have to knock out the toughest players in the field at every, almost every stage of this tournament himself. Um, you know, Namely, uh, a player like uh, Yannick Sinner in the quarterfinals, a player like Andre Rublev in the, in the, uh, to get to the semifinals, uh, a player like uh, Novak Djokovic to get to the finals and then in the finals, uh, you know, likely either, uh, you know, likely Stefano Sissipas, maybe, uh, you know, Alexander Zverev or Dominic Team. Uh, you know, so I guess once Nadal gets to the finals, he's probably in the clear, but you're going to get favorable match by match pricing to uh, put together a rollover that's going to pay a heck of a lot better than minus 125. It's also going to give you some flexibility such that if you see Nadal pick up an injury or the weather conditions on a given day against a difficult opponent aren't in his favor, you can, uh, you know, you can get out of that. Um, but yeah, anyone that's running to the window right now to bet Nadal to win this tournament is putting down a, a minus EV wager by my numbers. Um, I have him as only 45% chance to win this thing, um, which means value must exist elsewhere uh, because the hold's not that great. Uh, so I would say, uh, you know, shop around for pricing is hugely important here. And I particularly think uh, a guy, young young kid from Greece, Stefano Sissipas, who's playing outstanding tennis, this clay swing, uh, won Monte Carlo, uh, took Nadal to the wire in Barcelona final. Uh, you know, he is pretty clearly the third best men's player on clay uh, today. And uh, he is, you know, wide open in quarter four. Uh, his quarter is the weakest by far of any of the four quarters and his quarter price to advance. I can find uh, plus 100 as I shop around here. I would play that out to about minus 125. And that's by far and away the, the most plus EV bet that I see on the board. I have him coming out of quarter four uh, a little over 60% of the time. Uh, and I think, uh, I think he is really poised to, to make some noise here. Now, him in a final against Nadal, I'm not feeling great. That pressure, first ever slam final on Philip Chatrier, where Nadal has won 14 titles. Uh, I would like to see someone else kind of either do some meaningful damage to Nadal before that moment uh, or and or knock him out of this tournament. Uh, 
Um, but either way, uh, you know, we have I have some Sisypos in pocket at better prices than you can currently get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the current plus 450, 500 that you see around town is is reasonable. Um, but there are other ways to attack this because Sisypos, I think, is going to this final. So you, you mentioned in terms of your numbers, right, for Nadal, if I remember correctly, 45 percent. So that would yeah. put you at about like plus 120 if we're talking about a money line price. Circa offers a two-way market. Would a no minus 120, would that be too much of a price on Nadal to lay against him winning this thing? I think it is a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit. And I honestly, I think there are better ways to attack. Yeah. Um, so one. So so thinking this through, Nadal is going to have to go through a pretty tough path, but it's not going to be the first couple rounds. Like really, it's not going to be until round three until he has a meaningful test. Round four is going to be tough. Quarterfinal is going to be tough. Semifinal is going to be tough. If he stumbles along the way, I could see it happening in the quarterfinal against a player like Andre Rublev, who beat him head-to-head in Monte Carlo, who has the kind of stamina to go best of five against Nadal. Uh, and it's a little earlier in the tournament before Nadal really kind of, he kind of picks up steam as the tournament goes along. Um, so I like, you know, I like the idea of a guy like Rublev getting the better of him uh, to win quarter two. And at that point, uh, you know, yes, you your bet is won, field over Nadal. Um, but that then opens up the door wide open for Djokovic to win this slam yeah. because Djokovic would take, you know, take Rublev's lunch uh, just the way, you know, his style of play in that semifinal uh, and then would be the odds on favorite over whoever comes off the bottom half in that final. So I think, uh, you know, reasonably, if, if you are inclined to go, uh, you know, in, in, you know, if you want the field price um, over Nadal, I would just actually just pick Take Djokovic. You're going to get more like four to one, uh, you know, to to win it all. And and reasonably, if I don't think Djokovic himself can beat Nadal head to head in that semifinal, if that's the way this shakes out, um, that's that has best of you know that has five setter written all over it. The way that these two two players are, you know, the margins are very thin as we saw in the final in Rome. Um, however, I would ultimately expect Nadal <laughs> Nadal comes through that match. Um, but if someone else knocks it all out before that semifinal, then uh, then then Djokovic ought to be um, probably about you know even odds or better to win the whole thing. Hey, it's funny too. I was reading an article. Djokovic even said himself for the most part. I think he called himself a long shot to win this thing or something like that when he was going to face Nadal. Like the mentality aspect, I think is fascinating. And I'm like, you know, I'll watch Australian Open late at night if I'm up. But I, my tennis knowledge does not go very deep. But I think just from an anecdotal standpoint, it's pretty interesting to hear a player say something like that going into a tournament like this. It is, and uh, but his that kind of mindset is dangerous. Right. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I, I don't, I you know, you you know, there's in all sports, you can talk yourself into I'm the underdog, and that gives you a little bit of a motivational uh, boost at times. Uh, you know, Djokovic knows. I think from you know, they uh, Djokovic and Nadal was last year's final. Last year was a little bit of a weird year. It got delayed until September. The players were in a little bit of a a, a funky form. Uh, they hadn't had the full clay swing to get get really familiar with the the speed on the clay. Um, but Nadal Djokovic final last year was not competitive. Uh, it was it, it was completely one sided. Um, Djokovic relies a little bit too much on like this this kind of weak slice game. And you know a player like Nadal who uh, you know who is knows you know he knows all the tricks on clay. You know he eats that for breakfast. And so you know Djokovic doesn't really have a plan B to get by Nadal when the when the going gets tough. Um, but, uh, otherwise he is an absolutely devastating player. 
against all these other guys in this field. And really his quarter, he's in the first quarter. He's the top seed. It's not especially tough. The, uh, the second seeded player in his quarter is Roger Federer. Roger Federer is so far out of form. It's tough to really put a number on him. Um, he has not played, uh, well at all in 2021. Uh, when we have seen him, he has not played much in 2021 because he's been dealing with injuries. We didn't really see him in 2020 either. Uh, and clay is by far and away his worst surface. I'm thinking he's really just here to get a couple of reps before grass season starts. Cause he'd like to make a run at Wimbledon. Um, but it's, it's a, it's, it's not a particularly tough uh, competitor at the bottom of your quarter. If you're Djokovic looking at Federer, um, and then other, other than that, there's really no one of note that, uh, you know, that stands, you know, that stands out other than maybe Matteo Berrettini. Um, Berrettini is a nice player. He's got a strong serve, but on these slow con- in the slow conditions that you have, uh, at Roland Garros, I'd be, I'd be tough. It'd be hard pressed for me to see him beating, uh, Djokovic in a best of five, which means Djokovic almost certainly is going to be in that semifinal. It's just a question of whether he plays Rafa Nadal or if somebody can, uh, can knock Rafa Nadal out before that. I took a, a small piece of Rublev to win quarter two at nine to one. Um, realistically, I think Rublev almost certainly makes that quarterfinal matchup against Nadal, at which point I would price him in the f- plus 500 range. So you're basically giving me plus 900 uh, you know, for him in that money line, on that money line, in that head-to-head. Uh, and I think that's a pretty fair play. Um, but uh, really, the, the best way to attack the men's side of this draw, for sure, in my opinion, is to look at the bottom half uh, and to try to corner some fair prices on Sissipas. I found plus 100 for him to win quarter two, quarter, excuse me, uh, the fourth quarter. And again, my fair price on that one would be something like minus 150. Um, so that's by far and away my my biggest edge as we head into this one. Uh, and then um, if you can't find that, I'm fine with Sissipas to reach the final at plus 150. I think that uh, pretty likely uh, is how this plays out because there's really no one in the third quarter that I think can go toe-to-toe with Sissipas in that semi. So before we move on and pick your brain a little bit on the NBA, anything, any other nuggets we should know about the Open as we uh, look ahead? Yeah, well, the women's side is wide, wide open on yep. the bottom. Uh, Iga Świątek, uh, Gil's gal, uh, Polish uh, wonderkind, uh, who you know, realistically, um, probably the best women's player on clay that we've seen since Steffi Graf. Uh, she is going to make short, you know, short work of this field, likely. Uh, but the odds reflect that. I mean, plus two seventy-five. That's not like a Nadal kind of a price, but. Uh, it's still quite a lot shorter than you could have gotten even a, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the draw wasn't especially favorable for her. She's going to have to play Ash Barty likely in the semifinals as opposed to the finals, which is going to be a little bit of a tough test, but I still think she gets past there. Uh, again, kind of in the same sentiment that the top half is stacked on the men's side. The top half is stacked on the women's side as well. You can do some pretty decent price shopping in the third and fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, again, is by far the weakest. Top-seeded Naomi Osaka is not a clay player at all. Her clay form is borderline top 20 in the world, definitely not top two. Uh, And so kind of looking for a long shot to come out of quarter four, I think, is the way I'm going to play this. Um, there are a couple of, there are a couple of long shots to consider. And again, this is by no means like something that I'm putting more than lunch money on. Right. Um, but a gal, German gal like Laura Siegman, uh, who really only has, uh, you know, you know, she plays extremely hard. 
um, never quits. Always, you know, can break. Her service is brutal, but her ability to uh, break serve is very, very strong. Um, she's really only lost lopsided matches to the gals like Ash Barty and Iga Swiatek so far this season. Um, you know, so her ability to potentially steal a quarter four at a at a price of forty to one uh, intrigues me. Uh, and then the uh, the strongest player by far on the bottom half is a woman named. Uh, Arena Sabalenka out of Belarus, uh, Belarus. and um, she's uh, in the ballpark of three plus three twenty-five to make the final, uh, and I think that's a pretty favorable price because realistically, like they, if her service is uh, is up to snuff, um, she's going to blow through the bottom half of this bracket, and she's going to be in that final against Iga. At Will underscore Capper up on Twitter. All right, let's uh, before we get you out of here, we got about three and a half minutes left to go. We got three games on the board tonight. We had a good night of basketball yesterday, so I'll let you kind of take the floor out of the three: New York, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Boston, Clippers, Mavericks. Uh, three games tonight. Which one piques your interest the most? I can't find an edge in that Atlanta New York game. Best yeah. of luck to anyone that's betting that one. Um, I took a little little bit of a nibble at the uh, Nugget. I mean, excuse me, at the uh, the Nets uh, Celtics under two twenty seven. Uh, I think that there is a reasonable chance that Boston's plan is to slow that game down a bit. Uh, I have a tough time figuring out how they get that done going toe-to-toe just from an offensive standpoint here. So uh, I think the pace could be down, particularly in the first half there. And if we're seeing this trend where home teams struggle from three, uh, continue into this one, and the Celtics uh, you know, have already had a difficult time shooting in this series, then uh, that one could get pretty ugly. 227 and a half is a high number there. So I like that under. Uh, but the edge that uh, I think has the, uh, you know, has the most... Uh, uh, promises the Clippers at two and a half tonight. Um, you, you know, I went to the well with the Miami Heat last night, thinking they can't continue to shoot this poorly, and they exceeded my they they under they <laughs> underperformed even my low expectations. Right. Uh, so this could be again the same kind of problem. I just cannot see the Mavericks, you know, role players continuing to shoot at the level that they are. There has got to be regression at some point here. Oh. Uh, and it's, it, you know, I, I don't uh, love the Clippers, uh, you know, just their their energy and their mentality, their ability to fight in the playoffs has been uh, has been pretty pathetic uh, in the last two years now. Um, how, however, I just can't see, you know, it, it, I, I cannot see another game. Uh, play out like we saw game two with the Mavericks from a shooting standpoint. The Clippers played so well in that game. They did everything that was asked. Like people just looked at the box score. Or they were watching the Lakers and, and were kind of following alongside what was going on with the Clippers and yep. just assumed that the Clippers weren't playing well. The Clippers played so well in that game. And I, you know, it's just, it was the Maverick shooting was just, uh, you know, unsustainably good in my opinion. And I think that comes back to earth combined with a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, with a little bit of a, um, a likelihood that, uh, you know, you can put a couple of bodies on Luca and, and uh, really make him get it done at the free throw line. Uh, I think there's a strategy to be played out here. Clippers still haven't really figured out who their best closing five is. Um, but uh, I'll I'll take them I'll take my chances with them at minus two and a half tonight. Yep, I completely agree with that sentiment too. Like you would have Kristaps Porzingis hit a corner three that hit the rim like four times, and then you get somebody tweet out like Clippers got to play better defense. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> like you got to watch what's happening here, yeah, guys. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah that's nuts. All right, Drew. Hey, it's good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll chat again next week. Okay. 
All right, best of luck. Yep, Drew underscore Dinsick, of course, on Twitter, NBC Sports um, Bet. Want to get that right and host of the Deep Dive Pod as well, NFL NBA handicapper for NBC. All right, uh, we have a lot to get to. Check out the new pod, too, by the way, Bet the Edge, presented by Points Bet, courtesy of NBC Sports Edge. All right, Jeff Culeandro is going to be with us on the other side. Coca-Cola 600 over at Charlotte. We saw them run this race twice last year, right, in that pandemic weird uh, season. We'll see what happens, what we can take from those two races, and what we're looking at this weekend with Jeff when we return. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada's premier betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. You've got to be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. Okay, let's get into it. Coca-Cola. 600 on the docket this weekend. Jeff Kuliander's with us, NASCAR handicapper and NASCAR visionary up on social media. All right, Jeff, it's good to talk to you, buddy. So let's dive in first off today, Friday, an important day in terms of handicapping this race this weekend, correct? Yes, absolutely. Good to see you, JVT. Uh, I think the big thing is, you know, we get a practice session, and we've got so few of those since the pandemic struck uh, that this has really become a divine affair. And Having that practice session really, really improves the, our ability to handicap because it lets us know how the cars have unloaded and how they're progressing toward the start of the race. So as we look at this now, walk us through, because they ran two races here last year, right, in terms of the pandemic weird season. So uh, we do have course history to tell us a lot of these guys run pretty well here uh, on this track. I know you're on one of them, but what are we looking at from a track perspective and what we can expect from last year to this year? Well, one of the races last year was, was truncated. Uh, it was not a 600-mile. This is the longest race of the NASCAR season every year, the Coke 600. And, I, you know, what it really does is it allows the cream to, the, to rise to the top in most occasions. When you look at the past five winners, they've had an average odds of about 6.5 to 1. Uh, so you really see the drivers who have an excellent pit crew, who have a, a tendency to run up front. You tend to see them run up near the front. And with an extra pit stop, I think you can expect more of the same. So if you look at track history, last 10 races run here, Martin Truex Jr. has been absolutely fantastic. Average finish of about fourth place. Uh, you have three wins as well over that course. So walk us through Martin Truex Jr., his chances here, and what you're looking at in terms of bets for him. Well, I think Truex is, is really an all-star. And you see him perform so well on these mile-and-a-half tracks. And Charlotte fits right into that category. Is a double-dog leg uh, one-and-a-half-mile track. He's going to be tough to beat, but I think you've got normally on any given week, you might have 12 guys that have a shot to win. I think you're down to about eight this week with Truex, Denny Hamlin leading that charge. So when we talk about Truex, too, I would assume matchups are pretty good. Is there specific drivers you'd be looking at playing Truex in terms of matchups against? At this point, the matchup that I like with Martin Truex Jr. is going to be at minus 110 versus Kyle Busch. Mm -hmm. And I think as we get practice, we're going to get a lot more information about other about other matchups that we could potentially add on. Uh, so we're going to look to that and see what other drivers look good. So as, as I have kind of getting a little bit more well-versed over the last year during the pandemic, right, Jeff, uh, in terms of NASCAR handicapping, the one thing that has kind of stuck out to me is at times it tends to be a little chalky, right? Like even the long shots will be more mid-range shots. Uh, is there anybody a little deeper in the board that you would be looking at for this thing right now before practice? I think if you're looking deep, I think you got to stop at William Byron and Alex Bowman, both at about 18 to 1. And the reason for that is William Byron, prior to last week's uh, rain-soaked race, he had had, uh, I believe, 10 top 10s in a row. Okay, so he's running for one of the best teams, running near the front. You can find him at decent odds. The other one is his teammate, Alex Bowman, who has the fastest aggregate pit stall numbers or pit crew numbers 
of anybody on the circuit this season. Now, you have to be able to get the car on and off pit row, but uh, having the fastest pit crew is a damn fine place to start. Yep, I like it. All right, so before we get you out of here, I know there's going to be obviously practice again, very important. Is there any racers out there that you think that a lot of drivers, maybe some of the uh, public would be looking at you, be like, hey, you know what, even with practice, I think you might want to stay away, whether it's recent form or history at this track. You know, it's it, that's tough, JVT, but the only one I would probably put into that basket is Kevin Harvick, and you're going to find him at about 10 to 1. Uh, I just don't see the performance from one year to the next going into this race. And he hasn't exactly had stellar finishes in the 600 uh, uh, at Charlotte. So he would be one that I might put on the back burner unless we see him really pop during practice. All right, last 40 seconds. Let's recap uh, everything you have so far before the race and before practice today. We're going to look at Martin Truex at plus 750, William Byron and Alex Bowman, both at about 18 to 1, depending where you shop and Martin Truex Jr. over Kyle Busch. I will update any any additions on Twitter, and I will tag you, JVP, once those come in, looking at Saturday night, Sunday morning. Perfect. Appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you very much, man. Good Thank to talk you. to you. Hey, you too. Take care, huh? Yep, you too. All right. Nashville Visionary as well as uh, up on social media, so we'll have those up, as he said, over the weekend. All right, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to. Remember, coming up in about 15 for now, Paul, uh, Paul Carr is going to be with us. Champions League this weekend. What's he looking at? We'll find out. And NBA playoffs are here, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. VSIN hockey expert Andy McNeil tracking all the NHL action, and me, senior NBA analyst Jonathan Tolle, all the hoops insights. Our experts and the entire VSIN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game on VSIN.com and our daily members only best bet emails. Now is the time to cash in in the playoffs. Sign up for your 10 day free trial at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Let's dive a little bit more into those NBA postseason games uh, because, actually, Jason and I were texting about this yesterday. By the way, I'm Jonathan Von Tobin, filling in for Gil Alexander on a vacation that he does not deserve. We're talking about, like, the grittiness. Like, there were a lot – I don't want to make people mad, but there were a lot of old people yesterday that were like, this is what I'm talking about. This is playoff basketball. It was one of the most boring games I've watched in a while, especially there was, like, a seven-minute stretch where I think they both combined for 11 points, but there were people out there that were probably happy about what we were watching. But regardless, it was cool. It was a good, gritty – like game the Lakers generated a lot of offense in the low post like kind of like a classic basketball game so there was some fun in that but the Lakers the important right the important part two things here one take a two one series lead over the Phoenix Suns Uh, so again are going to maintain that uh, winning streak that they have right now over Phoenix but uh, you know it's funny I came into this series thinking look the Lakers got to win in two areas of the floor right it was within four feet of the basket and it was in transition and last night while they took a whole bunch of shots within four feet of the basket they didn't shoot an insane clip and in terms of transition they actually lost the battle there in terms of efficiency but really it's, it was almost like I was kind of too specific with that because in reality what it's about is the painted area of the floor and, and the Lakers absolutely destroyed the Phoenix Suns in terms of what they scored in the painted area last night, and that is something that could potentially continue going forward with this team. But if you look at the box score between these two, 
Points in the paint, 58 to 38 between these two. Lakers with a very dominant effort, especially in the second half when it came to thriving in that area of the floor. And LeBron James looked a little bit more like LeBron James in the second half, right? A little bit of a danger there for the Phoenix Suns. So at the end of the day, the Lakers offense having an okay day yesterday. But through two games now, and this ties into Chris Paul and the injury that he's had up to this point, but this has been a really dominant performance defensively for the Los Angeles Lakers. And we can talk about the fact that Chris Paul's injury makes it so, but last night, a 96.9 offensive rating for the Phoenix Suns, yet another game in which they have averaged under a point, a point per possession against the Los Angeles Lakers. It was pretty tough for Phoenix yesterday. And you see this? The restricted area as well, the ESPN stats and info nugget. The Lakers have scored 50 points in restricted area in the three games over the last two postseasons. The rest of the NBA has done this twice during the same span. And this is in an era of basketball where, right, the three-point line is the end-all, be-all, and yet the Lakers still shooting, you know, about under 33% in this postseason from three. So it has been fascinating to see this. But we have two front-court players at the level of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. It's not insanely surprising. But at the end of the day, like, it kind of sucks, right? Like, when you look at the path for Phoenix at this point right now to win this series, to be able to take out LeBron James and the Lakers, and by the way, Lakers now over an $8 favorite over at DraftKings and other spots, minus eight thirty-five to win this series going forward, the path to victory for Phoenix is through a healthy Chris Paul, and that's just not going to be the case, man. He's shooting under 40% from the floor in this series, averaging less than seven points per game. And you saw multiple moments last night where, you know, he gets the, he gets his little, he gets the matchup that he wants. He gets the big on him in space in the mid-range, and it's a really ugly jumper that can't really go anywhere. It's front iron. He just doesn't look comfortable. It looks like he aggravated again, played less than 30 minutes yesterday. It's just tough because while Devin Booker's awesome and DeAndre Ayton has been surprisingly great in this series that is loaded with big men, that are very high-level defensively, it, they need Chris Paul because the depth has kind of been an issue for this team going forward all season long, and it was going to be going forward, I should put it that way. And if Chris Paul's not fully healthy, there's just not really a route there for the Phoenix Suns. Now, I will say this, and you talk about this all the time, right, in terms of series prices, you never really get in the bang for your buck. I would say that if you're looking at Phoenix to potentially win this thing, and there's two games between this game and the next one um, coming up on Sunday – you need more than 5-1 to one on the Phoenix Suns. If we're talking about taking them on a series price like this, Like I think this should be closer to 10-1 to one for like a realistic price in terms of implied probability to win this thing. And at 5-1, to one, you just need a little bit more, right? Not just 16% in terms of the implied probability. I think you need, I think it's probably a little less than 10, and that would put you near uh, about 10-11-1 to one in that range on a series price for the Phoenix Suns. So we'll see going forward. Look, two games again, or two days again between games. Maybe Chris Paul will be a little bit healthier. But let's hear from Chris Paul because this is pretty interesting, right? Everything's going wrong for the Phoenix Suns. And yesterday, there's a little moment. I don't know if you caught this in the first quarter. So Chris Paul gets, you know, tries to draw a foul in the first quarter. He kind of flops a little bit. He falls into the arms, essentially, of Scott Foster. And it's funny because you see the moment going down the court where Scott, he actually, like, flicks Scott Foster's hand. He's like, don't touch me. He's like, and they, he does not like Scott Foster. And we know the trend, right? The trend, uh, the whatever you want to call it, 11 straight playoff losses for Chris Paul in games that Scott Foster has officiated. And Chris Paul did not want to let it go and made sure he mentioned it yesterday in the postgame. Are competing. We got to try to, you know, limit uh, their free throw attempts. Um, you know, they're shooting a lot of free throws uh, last game tonight. I mean, if I was a betting man, 11, 11 games in a row. 11 games in a row. We'll, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> 11 My in question a row. is, final 
Thank you for the time, Chris. Eleven in a row. Tough. Eleven games in a row, referencing the the losing streak there. And he mentions if I'm a betting man, I don't know if Chris Paul understands the um, the background. I mean, he, he's probably got to understand the background. And Scott Foster, humans and I have talked about this all the time. It's part of the reason why you know I always laugh when anybody brings up the the F word when it comes to the NBA. It's fixed, and it's their own fault, right? In terms of what happened with Tim Donaghy. And humans and I have talked about this before. You're never really going to shake that label when you have Scott Foster on the floor officiating games, a recipient of 134 phone calls from Tim Donaghy at the time that he was active in the league. And I don't think Chris Paul was implying that. I think it's more of a personal thing between him and Foster. And uh, Foster allegedly doesn't like Harden either. And we saw those two on the floor together for Houston. And we know what, how, that, how those games would go with Foster officiating them. It seems like it's more of a personal thing. But immediately when this was brought up by Chris Paul, uh, Twitter, of course, goes straight to it, um, putting up clips and memes of Scott Foster and alleging that potentially he had a five on it, whatever it is. Uh, it's funny. And Chris Paul, I don't think it's really great from a mentality standpoint that that's in your head as you're watching a lot of this. I mean, when you watch the game last night, I don't think Scott Foster was the main difference. I thought it was the fact that he couldn't generate offense against that Lakers defense. So I don't really love the fact that it's kind of in Chris Paul's head for the most part. Uh, but if the NBA is upset about all of the jokes being made at Foster's expense in terms of potentially fixing this game or having wagers on it, I've never really understood why he's still on the floor given his ties with Tim Donaghy and, again, the 134 phone calls from him between October 2006 and April 2007. But, hey, you know what? NBA looks like they're not going to do anything about it. All right, we have more to get to. We'll talk more about the betting perspective from a bookmaker's side when Vinny Maiulo joins us in the next hour. On the other side, though, Paul Carr is going to be with us. We have a Champions League final to get to between Manchester City and Chelsea. Chelsea, of course, with some recent success against Man City, so we'll see how that translates to this Champions League final. We also have that EFL Championship promotion playoff to discuss as well with Paul when he joins us on the other side here on the Numbers Games. v the Sports Betting Network, JVT, filling in for Gil Alexander. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. may not get style points for home runs. In fact, the unwritten rules do not allow it. But baseball bettors do. New bet MGM customers can turn $1 into $100 when someone goes yard during a game. Sign up for the BetMGM app using VSIN100 as promo code. And if you place a $1 money line wager on the Dodgers or Giants, you'll get $100 if either team hits a home run. New customer offer paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan's disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. And 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana and Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line. 800-889-9789. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, let's get into this. Of course, Paul Carr is nice enough to give us some time today. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Uh, Paul, thank you very much. So uh, let's start with this. We have, of course, the Champions League final coming up this weekend. So I'm curious, just from a, an anecdotal standpoint, when you look at these, do Champions League finals uh, tend to, and soccer finals in general, tend to get a little bit more bogged down in terms of possessions and scoring like a lot of these other sports? I'm a big NBA guy, right? We always talk about yep. game sevens being really rock'em, sock'em, slow-paced games. Is that the same case in uh, in football, soccer? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the cliche. It's a it's a final. Nobody, it's the old, you know, you don't want to lose the game early by giving up a, a goal or two. So you approach it a little bit more cautiously. That's definitely the cliche. We saw it last year in the Champions League final. Uh, it was Bayern Munich and PSG, a couple of high-scoring teams. And, you know, everyone was expecting three or four goals. And it ended up, you know, one nil to Bayern. It could have been a little more. You know, the chances were there. But, but that's generally the cliche that you see in these big finals, your Champions League, your World Cups, your whatever competition of a cup variety. Uh, knockout tournament stuff. They tend to be generally low scoring, yes. So let's talk a little bit about recent history between these two because Man City and Chelsea yep. ha- have met up. Uh, what did Chelsea do so well in those, to- uh, those two wins for them? Want to come back one, if I remember correctly, a 1 0 victory. What did they do so well against Man City? Yeah, it's, it's a really strange situation where these two teams played twice in the last six weeks or so and both important games. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a meaningless league game. One was an FA Cup semifinal, so that's an elimination game, very similar to this final. The other was, it was a Premier League game, so it wasn't a knockout tournament, but City was trying to clinch the league title. Chelsea was trying to stay in the top four race, so it was an important game for each team. So it's strange, just first of all, that we have a couple of comps 
between these two clubs very recently. But the very simple thing is Chelsea limited City's opportunities. It, it sounds uh, very obvious, uh, but they didn't give City a lot of good chances. City is so good at just hanging on to the ball and wearing you down while they have the ball and eventually finding those good opportunities. And Chelsea really didn't give them that many chances, like the expected goals, meaning the quality of chances that City had, uh, very low in both of those games. So both these teams have been great defensively all season, and I, I would expect to see the same thing here in the final. So as we kind of let's let's go right into this then as we look at that uh, it's a natural jumping off point total of about two and a half in this matchup I, I can expect where you're going to lean here I mean if if you've heard me all year yeah. especially this calendar year talk about Chelsea you know I'm going under here uh, so the number I throw out almost every time is they've played 29 games since Thomas Tuchel took over as manager and instituted this more uh, deliberate defensive style 23 of those have had uh, two goals or fewer. And, you know, they're trending a little bit to scoring more, but they've also been in some weird kind of desperate situations the last couple games in the league, especially. So I'm not reading too much into that. So, yeah, so I think this line under two and a half opened around minus 140. Uh, It's now around minus 160, minus 150. I would still play it there. Not a whole lot lower than that, but that's about where I would go because, you know, you're kind of doing the math. It's Mm -hmm. 60 plus percent of the time this game is going to end with two or fewer goals. Uh, and I just feel a style plays toward that, too. You know, one team scores, uh, they're both going to tighten up a little bit because you don't want to go down two, uh, things along those lines. So I expect this to be low scoring. And, and also, I'll add this. Remember, this is a 90-minute bet. This is not counting extra time. This is not count penalties if the game goes to those situations. Yeah, and I would expect, too, I mean, right, we're talking about opening this up with tighter games, right, high-leverage contests. If either one of these teams opens up a one nothing lead, I would expect to steal a term, right, park the bus up, and let's just, hey, let's just get out of here with this 1-0 win. That's exactly what I would expect. And it's also why I like the I like to play exactly one goal in the first half. But I got this at plus 150, and it's for that exact reason. One team scores in the first half. A, the team that scores is just going to park the bus, which frankly isn't a whole lot different than what they're doing anyway. But the other team is also not going to go crazy in that first half. You know, at some point in the game, you're going to push desperately forward. But you're not going to do that early. Uh, you don't want to go down two goals at halftime because going down two to either one of these teams is is pretty much the end. Mm-hmm. So I like exactly one goal in the first half, getting plus money on that at plus 150. Uh, on the total, really quickly, is there a price where you would recommend uh, you laying too much to get out of there? Yeah, I mean, minus 200 is kind of the easy cutoff. I don't think it's going to get that that low. But yeah, so I wouldn't play it lower than that. But I, I don't expect it to go past minus maybe minus 180 if late money comes in. Mm-hmm. But but that's that's kind of about where I draw the line. All right, so we have these two matchups. Uh, we have recent history that says Chelsea has been successful here. Uh, walk us through the actual matchup itself then and what we can expect uh, once this thing is all said and done. Yeah, so this is where the price comes into play. I mean, City is better than Chelsea. We can just say that. Uh, and But if you look at the last, again, half of the year since January when Tuchel took over, like the underlying numbers are very similar. Yeah, City had, in the Premier League specifically, City had a goal difference of, I think it was like plus 28 to Chelsea's plus 12 over the last half of the season. But their underlying numbers, again, the shots, they outshot opponents by the exact same amount. The expected goals were almost identical. Chelsea was actually a little better in expected goal difference. Uh, So I use that just to say that the gap between these two teams is very small. Um, I do think City is better. City has a higher ceiling. Like If you told me somebody's going to win this by two or three goals, I think that's much more likely to be City than it is Chelsea. But to me, the prices on this, if you're going to bet, obviously, and that's what we're talking about, uh, you have to lean toward Chelsea because, again, City's better, but are they going to win the you know 70% of the time in regulation to make minus 225 worth it? Uh, 
I don't think so. I think if you're playing a regulation, or sorry, that's to lift the trophy, minus 225. Uh, if you're going to play a lift the trophy, I think you have to play Chelsea at around plus 175. And along that line, for me, my play is Chelsea to win in regulation because you get such a great price at plus 340. Yep. So, you know, you're, you're telling me one out of four times Chelsea is going to get, you know, get that right bounce, get that right call. Uh, in a game that is so low scoring, uh, you know, one little thing in soccer makes such a big difference, whether it's, you know, a red card, a foul, uh, you know, a funny bounce, so a miss kick, a misplay, whatever it is. So you need about a one in four chance of Chelsea to win this in 90 minutes to make that plus 340 worth it. And to me, that's absolutely worth it. So that's my play. You know, again, you tell me who to pick who's going to win. Mm. I think it's City. You tell me who is going to win given the prices, and that's where I would go with Chelsea, and I did go with Chelsea at plus 340. Yep, and that Chelsea plus 340, uh, widely available. So there you go, the three plays uh, for the uh, Champions League final right there, under 2.5 at the minus 160. You can still find this minus 150 actually better out there. Exactly one first yep. half goal, plus 150, and then Chelsea win at plus 340. Again, a play on the value there in the price. So I'm just curious, you know, and just getting your assessment, reading your article up on ESPN and, and hearing you right now, other ways of looking at certain things like both the score and regulation, a yes versus no, the no is like a minus 115. Uh, would that be something to look at for anybody out there who wants to look at a different way to attack this game, both of these teams scoring? Yeah, I looked at all these different options. Yeah. And, you know, I could almost talk myself into anything like that. You know, a one no win for either team, uh, you know, under half a goal for either team, all those things I kind of talk myself into. I think, you know, everything else I looked at, I really think is priced, you know, about right. You know, like I said, I think it's even money for both teams to score, which, you know, is about right, you know, one one very much in play. Uh, so, so yeah, I I think almost all those bets are reasonable when you're talking about low scoring uh, types of bets. For me, the under is kind of the the catch all. Obviously, your mm -hmm. price isn't as good, but it's kind of a catch all to cover a lot of those different situations. All right, before we get you out of here in the last couple of minutes, uh, we also have the uh, promotion playoff, the EFL Championship, yeah. Brentford Swansea City. Uh, walk us through this one. Yeah, so this is fun, and I don't pretend to be an expert on the championship, which is the second division in England, but this is always one of my favorite games of the year because, again, this is simple. The winner goes to the Premier League next season. Yep, That's worth $200 million and more for the team, not just next year, but you know, ensuing years. If you can stay up, you get some parachute payments. If you get relegated, you obviously have increased you know, ticket sales, revenue, all that stuff. Uh, so this is just a fun game because... So much is at stake. They tend to be low scoring too. Uh, and this year's maybe particularly interesting. Brentford is not a team that a lot of you know casual American fans will know, but they've been a team that's kind of on the rise. About 12 years ago, they were in the fourth division in England. They were bought by owners and management who are very analytically inclined. And so they're kind of an analytics darling. They've been in the playoffs several times over the past few years and have gotten knocked out. Uh, they're the best team in the league this year, but finished third, and now they're in the playoffs. So all that to say, uh, they're a minus 110 favorite to win this one against Swansea City. I'm probably going to put a little bit on that just for fun. Again, not an expert, but their underlying numbers were so much better than Swansea this year. They had a goal difference of plus 38. Swansea was plus 18. The expected goals difference was like plus 40 to plus one or something like that. It was it was an absurd difference. So, you know, I'm kind of rooting for Brentford. This is a little bit of a hard play, but, mm -hmm. but the numbers also kind of support it. It's just a fun game. So if you want something to watch you know, tomorrow morning, 
this is going to be a fun one before the Champions League final. I do have a scant knowledge of the EFL Championship, uh, only because uh, like six years ago, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to choose a Premier League team, but I want to root for somebody at the bottom and work their uh -huh. way up. The Queens Park yeah. Rangers lasted one year uh, in the Premier League, well, so it did not go well. But uh, hey, no. you know, at least I know a little bit about it, right? I'm a yeah. little bit of culture. Yeah, yeah you learn something one way or the other. Uh, it, it's fun to see just the kind of the soccer culture over there because yep. you have all these smaller clubs and in smaller towns or a whole bunch of clubs in a bigger city or something. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's fun. And this is this game's at Wembley. Uh, there, I don't think it's full, but they'll have some fans, so there should be a good atmosphere. Uh, it's always a fun one. So much at stake. Again, host of the Expected Value podcast as well. Uh, True Media Sports Director of content over there. Paul, awesome conversation. Thank you very much for the time today, sir. You bet, JVT. Have a good weekend. Yep, you too. Uh, and again, recap too, if you want to uh, throw that up, Jason, one more time for anybody who had just tuned in and uh, missed out for what he's looking at in the Champions League final. Under the two and a half goals, again, the minus 150 uh, or better is available there. One first half goal, plus 150. Chelsea to win at plus 340. All of those, again, uh, widely available in a lot of different shops that you can look around for uh, as well. All right, first hour in the books. Really fun one. A lot of great, smart people. And we're going to continue the trend, too, on the other side. Mark Borchard's going to be with us. Uh, we almost had a massive mix. I was going to come on today and be like, Mark, you're evaluating John Gant is way too high. Well, we actually got that figured out. Uh, maybe we can talk to Borchard about that. Uh, but a lot of baseball there. And we're also going to give Vinny Mayula last half hour of the program, of course, uh, because we have a lot to get to from the bookmaker's perspective of things as both of these postseasons in the NHL and NBA have an absolute madness. Stick around. Second hour of a numbers game here on this Friday. It's going to be on the other side. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.